We're the Westlop Pirates, and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skoskowsbo. Oh, well, gentlemen, uh, coming off of the NFL draft pod, uh, that was just a great time. Uh, anyone who's listened to it, if you've gotten through all three plus hours of, of that insanity, thank you. God bless Congratulations. you. Congratulations. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was, that was just so much fun. And, uh, it was really cool to kind of get, uh, Chris and Gary's perspective on the draft as it was going on, uh, share, share all of our thoughts together. That was, that was really, really cool. Um, one piece of, uh, I guess Northwestern based information that uh, came out after the draft or, you know, unfortunately it was after the draft. Uh, Joe Gaziano signed as an undrafted free agent with the LA chargers. Um, congrats to, to him for, you know, getting that UFA. Uh, I, I'm bummed that he's with the chargers because now I have to hate him. Um, but I can't, uh, just like I can't hate JJ. Um, you know, it's cool that, uh, he'll be, he'll be, He'll be able to play with uh, Justin again. Uh, what well, that's neat. Um, at this point, uh, we have not heard any information on Alex Miller. Um, I know he had not gotten signed as of uh, just after the draft, but I'd imagine, like with the quarantine going on, that's probably doing a number on on like free agency signings. And you know, normally you you'd see guys in tryouts and. Um, from there, but you know, we haven't heard anything moving forward from him yet. Yeah. Rookie camps, um, would be starting very, very soon after the draft to get these guys in and start, start chatting. And I just, I don't think there's any urgency. And so teams are biding their time. Um, it's, it's a bummer that Alex didn't get his name called. Uh, we had heard before the draft that he had gotten a six, a six round grade. And there was a lot of hope in his camp that, he might hear his name in the in the final round, and it didn't happen. It didn't happen for Gaz either. That's um, that's frustrating. But um, I think I I'm quite confident that he's going to get his shot in a camp down the track. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's you know when you think about it, it just stinks for all of these guys, Alex included, and you could throw Jared Thomas into the mix on this too, um, who just have to wait that much longer than they normally would. Rest assured, like. A team is going to kick the tires on Alex Miller. Like, there's no downside. Like, that's what the camps are for. Like, they're going to bring him in, and they're going to be like, yeah, show what you, show us what you've got. But yeah, the time on all this is just so squirrely. And right, at this, t- at this point, the teams don't know when those camps are going to be. So there's that much less impetus, and it bumps everything back. We were talking earlier this week, Shea Patterson only just signed his uh, UFA contract. And I forget who he signed it with. The Saints, maybe? That could be wrong. Kansas but... City, I believe. Okay, yeah. And, I mean, literally that just happened. And you're talking Shea Patterson, where, again, he wasn't at the top of anyone's draft board, but you're talking a major noted quarterback commodity who, although, you know, the size is not NFL size, he has a lot of tools and a lot of pedigree across two different schools. And not only did he not get drafted, uh, he didn't get signed until really a matter of days ago as a UFA. So this stuff is just happening way slower now. Um, there's, you know, there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel for, for our boys. Um, 
it just stinks that they have to wait a little bit longer. Well, um, some things are slowing down. Some things continue to move and, uh, the recruiting trail just keeps churning. I mean, everything again is just very weird and very odd and different, but, uh, we, we've had a few commits over the, the past week or so. Um, some big name ones. And again, going back to our, our pod from uh, a couple months ago, uh, we continue to be completely wrong and continue to be totally fine with that. Oh, I continue to, to just spread it on. Um, you know, Northwestern has never seen, there's just no precedent. When Northwestern has a down season, they just don't pull in the big recruits the year after that. It, it will never happen. We're definitely not going to continue to sign four-star and maybe five-star guys. Um, can, I, how, can I reverse jinx this any harder? How much <laughs> more can I work? Can, can, we, can we retcon now to just say that entire pod was a reverse jinx? No, no, no we can't. And I'll be honest, like... If you look at, so we've gotten one offensive lineman and two defensive players. I, I said it after um, after we signed Tiernan and and Uline that like until we're signing four star wideouts and offensive skill players, like I think everything we said in that pod holds because our defense was epically great last year, right? And the trajectory of O line recruiting um, has been good for a year plus. I the there's um. There was a firestorm of anti-Northwestern sentiment on Twitter the other day because uh, I think was it ESPN? I forget who who published their like projected unit rankings for the next year. Um, which let's be honest, people are just basically like taking last year's stats and casting them forward based on like returning personnel. So let's hold the phone before we get too bent out of shape about this. But Northwestern was listed as the fifth fifth, fifth best projected defense in 2020, and for guys like Story and Uli, like like why wouldn't they want to be a part of that, right? Right, and that's and that's the thing to kind of step on it. It's we'll go through this three recruit hall, um, and honestly, I think one of the things that I that I want all you guys listening to take away from this is this truly is a three recruit hall. There is a banner signee in this group. But it is three guys who will all be real contributors for Northwestern. Um, the headliner is Najee's story. And I think it's part of the reason that I think we did as much work to stoke the fire as, as anybody is Najee's story is a defensive end. And he's from the state of Ohio. And he picked Northwestern over Alabama, Ohio State, and Notre Dame. And uh, the last guy who did that exact thing is now making a little money playing for Scuzz's Minnesota Vikings. So there's, you know, the Afadi Adenovo comps are just going to present themselves. They're just too easy to make. Um, Story is not built like Adenovo, I would say. He's more built like another four-star that we signed away, you know, over Alabama a couple years back, Garrett Dickerson. Um for a defensive end, 6'3", 230 is, is not a huge player. He's just one of those guys where the raw power presents itself immediately. I mean, on film, he's just an unstoppable force. And 
He's not the largest guy, but every bit of him is power. You see it on tape. It's one of those things anyone can read. Um, this is a guy who blew up the summer before his junior year, um, became a major, you know, was, I'm sure, a known commodity in Ohio, became a known commodity nationally in the recruiting circuit, um, and then had, you know, and now four-star recruit and signs with Northwestern. And again, this is another guy it's that unbelievable offer list. Everybody offered him. Everybody wanted him. He's one of the top 200 players in the country. And he's a guy who, yeah, he's pure power, raw power. He's probably going to play true end. And, you know, whereas, uh, you know, Fadi came in, he was a lot of speed. Um, and, you know, speed, the spin moves, the two sacks in the All-America game. Story does it with power. He's very quick off the ball. But he is just raw power, and that much power packed into that frame, he's just a terror to deal with, and that's why he had so many offers, and it's awesome that he's a Wildcat. Well, I think it's it's interesting to look at to look at that offer list and his final five because, um, like Alabama was in in was was uh, not in the final five. It was Ohio State, Penn State, Minnesota, and Tennessee, which is kind of an interesting mix. Um, well, Tennessee's been killing it on on the recruiting this year. I mean, they they've been doing a really good job. Ah, uh, whatever. Just makes this this sweeter that uh, that we oh that we for took sure it from for the sure. Bulls. But 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 like where I was going to go is is that Ohio State piece because like Alabama always gets you know kind of big big eyebrows and such. But Ohio State is the real the real marker here, particularly because he he took at least three visits um to to see the Buckeyes um he grew up outside of Cleveland I mean it's you know one other small difference between him and Afadi Afadi was like in Ohio State's backyard whereas uh whereas whereas Najee is 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 in the suburbs of Cleveland but still like it's it's a huge get um it, the other interesting thing I I haven't quite confirmed this yet but you know when you when you look back and think about Adenabo he was extremely raw he he had he had barely played organized football. Um, I mean, I think he started playing organized football in college, in in in, in high school. Like he, he didn't play before then, and, and it might have even been his sophomore year. I forget the details, but um, if Story is, you know, more more experienced on that sense, is is you know has has is less raw. I mean, that's great news for Northwestern. That this guy comes in with a bit more potentially a bit more pedigree. Uh, also uh, committing on the well in, in that in this group, uh, Aiden Hubbard, linebacker out of Cleveland, a three-star guy, um, six four two twenty-five, and then on the on the third, uh, Theron Johnson, a defensive back out of Indianapolis, a three-star guy. But John, you said you looked at his tape and uh, are coming away kind of impressed. I love both of these guys' tape, and I like so. Hubbard, just so everybody knows, Hubbard is a really known and respected commodity in the state of Ohio. Just because Story's the four-star recruit, Hubbard is one of the top 20 players in the state of Ohio. He is a known commodity in Ohio. Second team All-Ohio. Right. He is, he's a big deal there. And he doesn't have an Ohio State offer. He had a Michigan State offer. And the crazy thing about Hubbard, it's, it's funny because that you mentioned what you mentioned with Adenabo before we talk about Hubbard. And I don't claim to have knowledge of when Hubbard started playing um, football. And for all I know, he 
was been playing since the cradle. But the wild thing about Hubbard is his high school plays him everywhere because he can kind of play every defensive position. And I think it's difficult for some schools to peg exactly what his final position is going to be, I guess. And it's part of the reason where you're like, this guy's 6'4", 225, kind of a lean 6'4", 225, and we're looking to play him at defensive end. And how's that going to work? He's going to have to put on a lot of weight, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, yada, yada, yada. Sure, fine, okay? Here's the flip side of that. If you watch his tape, he plays considerable time at safety. He's 6'4", 225. Anytime they play a team, like his high school plays a team who runs some sort of flex ball offense, he plays safety. But he also plays safety at other times against teams that don't run flexbone because they're like, well, you have the best ball reading skills and you're our best sideline to sideline guy, even though you're 6'4", 225, go get the ball. So like you look at a guy like this and you're like, okay, I guess some people are like, well, you're kind of tall and lean to be a linebacker. I mean, in the NFL, he's a safety. Um, we're going to play him at defensive end. If that doesn't get you excited about the kind of potential that a guy like this has, he's got the kind of speed and athleticism you usually don't see at defensive end. Um, and the natural comparison there would be a Fadi who had that same kind of speed and athleticism you don't normally see at end. But that's the reason he had the Michigan State offer. That's the reason he's, like Scuzz said, second team All-Ohio. Um, he's, you know, crazy potential. Um, and it, it, it jumps out on tape. Johnson, uh, and I, I, I want to hear your, your your comments about his tape as well, John. But an interesting thing about Johnson at, at corner. So, first off, he's six foot, which is nice size for a cornerback. Um, interesting to me is so his offer list isn't that impressive, but there's an article back in in March on Rivals around like basically saying we think this guy's recruitment's about to take off. The you know what we see on film in terms of the length that he demonstrates and also his ability like he's he's just a fluid athlete and he's able to stick with receivers and the, that combination of things is you know those are really desirable skills in in a corner at the college level. Th- their comment was yeah he's got one power five offer from Northwestern we think his list is really light and we think it's going to swell well. We, we we basically got to him before anybody else did and, and got him to ink and that's um well I guess he's not in ink yet, but got him to to, to, to sign on and that's huge. absolutely. So here's the thing, and Scuzz, you mentioning that um that article is perfect. Because you'll notice the one thing that didn't come up in that article is he's fast. He's is speed. And that's because he's not the fastest cornerback. And I think that's one of the reasons where, like, if this kid was going to camps early on in high school and he's running and he's doing drills and stuff, he's just not going to be one of the fastest guys at those camps. And you're talking cornerback is the speed position. And I think that hurt him a little bit. I say that because everything else Scott said in that article is absolutely true. People throw around words like fluid. Um, and you know, it can be amorphous and you're like, I don't really know what that means. You know, you're calling him fluid. I see he's just, you know, second best offer after Northwestern is Cincinnati. Is there a lot of there, there 
in this kid's case, for me, and I watch film on every guy that Northwestern has ever signed, ever, um, it's rare to watch high school video of a cornerback. And, you know, most of the time, high school cornerbacks that are going on to play D1 college, your big takeaway is like, wow, look how fast he is. Look how much faster he is than, like, the other guys on the field. With Johnson, it's just like, wow, he's really good at playing that position. Um, He is a natural corner. And like Scuzz said, he's a big natural corner. I think for me, the big comp would be J.R. Pace. Um, Pace, of course, is a safety. But when Pace came out, our opinion on him looking at the film and everything was, this guy can play any position in the defensive backfield. Um, Pace, I'd say, is a little faster and a little bit of a better raw athlete. But Johnson has that size and length. But man, is he good at playing corner. He does all of those things that especially at the high school level, you just don't see very much. His head is always turned around in deep coverage. He always locates the ball. He knows exactly what's going on on every play, and he breaks on the ball before the quarterback's even thrown it. Like, this is a guy where he's probably going to have a very good Northwestern career in the defensive backfield, and everyone be like, why? Why was his offer list longer? Well, again, between him being kind of a late riser because he doesn't have that sexy speed that just jumps out. And frankly, COVID screwing up everything and screwing up visits and all these other things and ability to get direct eyeballs on who knows what. Um, I think he's going to be a real steal. So again, it's like the the story is story. Oh, come oh on. hey, oh, hey now, hold on, hold on. Oh, tip, tip your tip, tip your, Tip your waitresses. I'll be here all put, week. Put, Try the veal. Put that away for a second. How's how's Johnson as a tackler? Was that did that come through on oh, his tape? Yeah, he hits. Ah, uh, so the so boy, he, so here's the, the thing. Boy, like the boy breaks and he hits. So think about Northwestern's defensive scheme, right? We we say this going into like every game when we're when we're lined up against like somewhat fast receivers and and a reasonable passing game is that Hankowitz is going to give that cushion. Johnson is like the prototypical Northwestern corner to give that 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 cushion because he might not have the speed to to hang with somebody all the way down the field, but he's got the technique to identify the route and then and and then pick them up right and and shut down anything that's that's thrown deep. But with the tackling, that's the critical component. Northwestern has to have corners that that can identify run or identify that that short pass that QBs are going to throw when we give them the cushion and just crash down and obliterate a receiver and stop them from going anywhere. That is what makes the Northwestern defense function um, in the second level, and this guy just seems like he's tailor-made for the way we we scheme defense. Of the it's so it's ridiculous to say of the three uh, from what I see of the three guys that we signed this weekend Johnson is the best tackler and probably the best hitter too it's difficult to say because again part of that's on stupid because it's just like story is a freight train like he just once he gets going downhill he kind of just obliterates everything in his path but. In terms of the guy where you're like, oh, this guy loves to hit, it's Johnson. And to your point, Scuzz, there are a couple plays where he's in soft coverage. The other team runs a wide receiver screen. And you're like, did he, like, did he, was he, like, in the huddle? Like, how did he know they were running this play? 
because from the snap, he's just on the guy. Um, and yeah, so again, it's, it's all just to say the headlines were Najee's story. These three guys are all really good. And they're all really good, you know, defensive players that are, you know, right. I think we're, we're building that pedigree as a strong defensive unit. And these guys are all just going to help stack that group. Uh, one, other, one other note that I do want to mention, I kind of went under the radar, um, you know, before we pivot to uh, some basketball news. Uh, we also got another grad transfer, um, tight end, John Rain, uh, came from Florida Atlantic. Uh, really, not, kind of not under, under my radar. radar, man. No, that's true. Yeah. It, we didn't. Not a lot of talk happened. I know because you were you were all over this. This is this is a big deal. It is a big deal, and you know when we talked about Bajakian and Boston College and what he did in the NFL, like he loves tight ends, right? We like we knew that those were going to be a featured component of the Northwestern offense going forward because he wants to run heavy and then he wants to throw deep out of that same personnel set and having tight ends that can block and attack downfield is critical. John Rain caught, I forget how many balls for, you know, close to 400 yards last year. He would have been the second overall leading receiver on Northwestern's football team in 2019, statistically. It was was 38 catches for 343 and six touchdowns. Six touchdowns. Six touchdowns to a tight end. Are you effing kidding me? Um, Sign this dude up. He played it for Florida Atlantic, coached by Lane Kiffin, who runs a downfield passing attack, an aggressive downfield passing attack. This is a perfect, perfect, perfect fit for what Bajakian wants to do. And it just it is indicative of everything we've been talking about for six months of what we expect this offense to look like in 2020. And I can't wait. COVID, you better get the F out so that we can watch this team play. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's there's going to be a lot of vertical. I'll tell you too, um, and I'm I'm waiting for it. And again, we're you know, I I don't want to jinx it, um, but then again, like we're so we've been so effective at the reverse jinxes and everything. But I I do believe that Bajakian was able to successfully um, sell this kid on transferring in and um, and being able to be a part of this dynamic offense right away. There are a couple big time tight ends that we are in the mix for right now um, that I think he's trying to sell the same thing on. And I wouldn't be surprised if before the end of this recruiting cycle, we make some big noise signing a big time tight end um, because I think it is. It's true. And he's got the, the bona fides to prove it. I mean, we talked at length when Bajakin was first hired about how he turned a couple of two-star tight ends into major all-ACC players with huge yard-per-catch numbers um, because he throws so aggressively out of double tight end sets. And right, for a guy who's been at Florida Atlantic and is looking for that in the Big Ten, we absolutely can sell that. But for some of these high three- and four-star tight ends who are out there, um, he can pitch the exact same thing. So again, it's great. Um, it's great too, and again, not to not to throw shade because we've got um, several um, big time tight ends on the roster right now. Um, and again, we've been bit by the injury bug a little bit, um, but this is an offense that is going to play multiple tight ends and be rotating them, and just as many as we can get is great. Isn't it interesting that because like so, Superback. If, if I think back to your recruiting analysis that you did, John, a couple summers ago, 
where one of the interesting takeaways that we learned was that running back has been a real train wreck in terms of the re- the recruiting pedigree and then what we've gotten out of those players um, after the top line. The top line guy has been has been basically great. Much of that much of that buoyed by Justin Jackson, but the depth has been has been a struggle, right? Superback is for for a position that was so integral to the McCall offense and really the identity of Northwestern, right? Um, and you can name you can name the big ones, right? Dunsmore, Vitali, Dickerson, Cam Green. Um, they were all like they were great, but with the exception of the year where you had Dickerson and Green backing each other up, never really had much depth there and like the next man on was often a converted QB or a, a you know a, a, a lower tier recruit and it's just it's interesting to see Bajakian stockpiling guys at this position and what that means for his offense and I don't know just like it's just a very it's an interesting philosophical shift that we're already kind of seeing in terms of what I would call roster construction, right? Well, I think Dickerson and Green are a perfect reference point, right? Because Green really had to sit behind Dickerson mm-hmm. for a while. And Green really, you know, when Dickerson got banged up his senior year, that's when Green first started to see some real minutes. Um, but it was only because Dickerson got banged up. And then, and he's kind of like Green was always ready and was always ready to be there. In this offense, they'd both be playing, and they'd both be playing a lot. Um, that would have been awesome. Yeah, and I mean, that's that's the kind of thing. But again, you need a lot of bodies like that. I do think, though, um, that, you know, and Trey Pugh, again, was a big recruit, tons of potential, yep. did play a little at the end of the season he, he, this year. He should have been the next guy on that list that right, I just went through. Right, We're still just waiting to find out, and we may never, that, you know— with again, it's like with Fitz, you never know. But Trey Pugh had a really bad injury, and we may never know the extent to just how bad it was. He could be back in a big way this year, or he could not. We just don't know at this point. But also, don't sleep on a guy like Thomas Gordon, who really hasn't had a chance to get on the field much at this point. Like this is an offense, you know. He wasn't recruited into this offense, but you know, Merry Christmas, like. Congrats. Like you're a big time tight end recruit and now you're going to get an opportunity to catch a lot of balls. So you're going to see a lot of these guys, Charlie Mangieri too. These guys are all going to be in the mix um, and they're all going to play, but it's going to take a big rotation. The kind of rotation we haven't seen at that position in a while. Uh, So I I did make a little mention of some basketball news. Um, We picked up a, another recruit, a second Northwestern signee, uh, oh, uh, who picked Northwestern over Alabama. Uh, not quite as impressive in basketball as it is in football, but, um, hey, Julian I, hey, Roper. G- Gary would argue with us on that point, but. And he's more than welcome to. I, I, I welcome that uh, discussion. Um, Julian Roper, a 6'3 guard out of uh, Franklin in Michigan, St. Mary, um, just outside of Detroit. He's a Rivals 150. Uh, player three stars, but um, you know it's had four Big Ten schools on the list: DePaul, uh, Missouri, Alabama, and, and others. And you know he's Wisconsin, Iowa, Illinois. That Missouri, that I like. That's a big deal. If I'll tell you this, 
of all those guys, if you watch Julian Roper on film, and as crazy it is to say, of everyone we've talked about so far, I would probably say Roper is the one I would most encourage you to watch film of. I'll tell you, if you look at his list on Rivals, this kid's from Detroit, and after you watch the film, you'll understand what I mean. The two biggest names on here are Michigan and Michigan State. Because this mofo will not forget that they did not offer him a scholarship. <laughs> this kid is 6'3", 190. And this is what he wants to do. Dunk on you and then remind you that he dunked on you immediately after. Um, his He plays with an edge and he's crazy athletic. Um Again, not to beat the jinx card to death, and this would be the true jinx, but the best comp for him is Jordan Lathan. They're the same build and the same type of player and the same type of athleticism. I mean, Lathan was listed as a point guard. Roper's a shooting guard, but everyone says Roper can play either either spot. Um, but even compared to Lathan, Roper has an edge to his game. Um, he is an aggressive player with Big time athleticism. Um, he is, I mean, there's a reason. I mean, he, again, he's a three star player, but you're talking one of the top 150 players in the country. He's a borderline four star guy. The offer list backs it up. But again, this kid will not forget any time he plays Michigan State in Michigan that they did not offer him. Um, and, and honestly, you know, this is something that we've maybe talked about a little bit, but. Our team could use a couple of guys with that edge. Um, the kind of guy to be like, I swear if you shove Pete Nance one more time, I'm going to lay you out. Like that, <laughs> that kind of guy. Um, we, we could use a couple of guys like that, and, and he's that kind of guy. He's a, it's a great pickup. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more with everything you just said. I'm watching the highlights right now, or his tape right now, and I'm, I'm just salivating it at the, the, the post-dunk um, – flexing and you know looking at the defender who fouls him and I just like I like yes um it's funny too I I've I'm probably like more in on basketball in general right now than I have been since I was a teenager because of the last dance the Michael Jordan doc um I've just been consuming that program the podcast about the program etc 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 and um to you know to see a guy with some edge that you hope would come in and maybe push some of Northwestern's other players. Like, please, yes, all day. And also, too, you just you fold in that, again, it's like <laughs> we hate to be Debbie Downers, but some of these four-star and high three-star recruits have to start hitting, you know? And <laughs> yeah. we've got <laughs> a lot of averages, got, right? And it's like, right, and it's like this is – He's, he's coming in a, a year immediately the year after Ty Berry. Um, and on paper, that is a really dynamic backcourt. So um, th- so here, here's hoping anyway. And, you know, he, we're still in the mix for Max Christie, Patrick Baldwin Jr. Um, if, if Roper is the, 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 leading, the leading edge uh, that might open things up for, the, for those two guys, I mean, that would be insane. I mean, talk about turning a program around right away but that that's that's a pipe dream that i don't necessarily want to go down at this point because um we all let's, know let, how that 
Yeah, let's not get ourselves too excited about about <laughs> Northwestern basketball again. Look, it was look, it was a it was a good week, and we all really needed some wins. So, yeah. <laughs> um, we got anything else to cover tonight, guys? The one other thing to throw out, and this is going to the pro ranks, is New Orleans Saints signed Austin Carr to a one year contract, which is again, um, it's. On one hand, you're like, oh, it's just a one-year contract. But on the other hand, um, this is a guy, Carr, who didn't play a heck of a lot over the past couple of years, um, but is viewed as a very valuable member of the New Orleans Saints. He's on his second contract with the Saints. Um, Austin Carr, a player who started his college career without a scholarship um, and then was kind of viewed by, you know, in the same vein by the NFL um, as he was viewed by the NCAA coming into college, despite all of his college accolades, has played himself into a second contract. He played his entire rookie deal out with the New Orleans Saints, and now he's moved on to a second contract with the team. So yeah, you can look and say, okay, it's a one-year contract, fine. But he's into his second contract in the NFL. And it's all been with the same team since he came out of Patriots camp and the Saints picked him up. Clearly, they view him as a very valuable reserve member of the team um, and very useful in practice. And for all we know, the fact that they signed him to one-year contract is showing that they're willing to to give him increased minutes this year. So, awesome. And he, he got some run last year, too. I mean, he caught, he caught a touchdown, right? If I remember correctly. He did. I recall he had some trouble getting on the field last year. I don't know if it was last year or the year before was the uh, the Thanksgiving touchdown pass from Drew Brees. Um, but still, though, I mean, and again, for all we know, the aforementioned Brees, like this is someone that he, you know, Brees has as much voice in the locker room as I'm sure anybody does on that team. And he's saying, look, I trust this guy. When he does get on the field, he's great. Um, and the rest of the time, I just think he's a great weapon, you know? So, I mean, regardless, I mean, we can speculate all we want. But this is a guy that the that New Orleans could have let walk. And they chose to re-sign him. And it's it's awesome. Well, I think we should just go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Um, you know, we'll be back next week uh, with got some things percolating in the mix. I don't want to... Don't want to reveal too much yet, but we've got something hopefully brewing um, that if it, if it comes through is going to be really, really cool. Um, just a little teaser for, for some a future pod down the road. It's all, all I want to say right now, but uh, it'll be cool if it happens. So uh, We'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at westlawpirates. And you can always email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics. Look for us in the west lot of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skazbo, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.